Today we have the one and only Emma Rogers, the CEO of the Guelph Wellington Children's Foundation. And I'm super excited to have Emma on to talk about the foundation and all the amazing initiatives that these guys are doing right now. It's been a difficult year, as we all know, with a lot of things going on. And I feel that just a lot of the things have all been directed mostly towards adults and what adults are going through but we never really get the children's side of things so it's going to be interesting to kind of dive into all the different aspects that are affecting children and especially the amazing initiatives that the children's foundation is doing to kind of address the needs in COVID and you know going beyond COVID as well. I had a super fun time talking to Emma over the course of uh, of this week and doing the recording so I'm really excited for you guys to listen in to what she has to say. She has a a great energy about her and such a bubbly and outgoing personality. And for any of you who are in the the Guelph community, you probably have come across her in one way, shape, or form, or you've heard of her. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen in and uh, listen to what she has to say about the foundation and her leadership as a powerful leader in our community. So... Let's dive in. Let's have a listen to myself and Emma Rogers, the CEO of the Guelph Wellington Children's Foundation. So, Emma, thank you very much for joining us from the Children's Foundation of Guelph Wellington. We're so happy to have you because I want to shed some light on the foundation that you guys have and obviously you yourself. And I think it would be best, obviously, for you to kind of give the synopsis of kind of what the Children's Foundation is about. So if you wouldn't mind maybe taking us through a little bit what uh, what you guys do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here and just chatting with a fellow Guelphite and a friend uh, to discuss leadership in the community. Um, to ask to answer your original question. So the Children's Foundation has uh, been around for 30 years. Uh, we're going into our 30th birthday, which is so exciting. So we've been serving both Wellington and Dufferin for about three decades. And the mission of the foundation is really to uplift and be that supporting hand to children and youth in our community. Primarily, we're serving children that live um, either right at that poverty level or, or below the poverty level in many ways. We do that through four core programs. And our approach to supporting children and youth is to ensuring that the entire well-being uh, of children is supported. So I know we don't we don't have hours on end here, so I'll go through the, the four pillars pretty quickly. Um, but the first one is all around supporting the basic necessities of food and nutrition for children. So in Canada, unfortunately, one in five children don't have the proper nutrition that they need. And I know, like, just imagine waking up and going to school, maybe not having dinner, not having breakfast, arriving without lunch. School can be taxing to begin with, but not having that proper nutrition to fuel your body, you're, you're behind before you even started your day. So our Food and Friends program is um, throughout all the schools in Guelph, Wellington, and Dufferin, and it provides snacks and nutrition so that they know when they go to school, that's a safe place for them. Um, so that they know when they go to school, that's a safe place for them, that they have access to that food and that, that nutrition. Uh, the second is our free to grow program. And knowing you, GP, you're going to love this one. Um, this program is all about access and opportunity to recreational and life skills. So that means subsidizing children being able to go play hockey, to go play soccer, go to camps, driver's ed, babysitting courses, 
over the past couple of years, we've actually added on driver's ed and babysitting courses being subsidized because one, we think about issues that youth face in um, obtaining education or uh, obtaining a job. And oftentimes it's around accessibility. So if we can remove that barrier, we can get them their license, they can get to work. Um, that was a really big plus for us. And then also the babysitting course, it's a way for children and youth to start building their own money and income, right? And, and live a life of possibility. Uh, and this year we actually added on a mental health component. One of the, the bright sides of COVID is that it actually gave us an opportunity to do a pulse check on our community and say, where do we think um, our gaps in our community in serving children? And where do we think the needs are going to potentially exacerbate in the next few years? And it was a resounding answer that mental health is a support that is just needed um, more and more. And that's where we're going to see the impacts of this. So we actually just launched our mental health component and it has two pieces to it. And you actually know Andrew Grenwald from Five Star Relationships. We've got to give her uh, a shout out. So Star Relationships and CMHA. So we're providing free counseling services for children. And then the second piece of that is we're doing workshops for their caregivers and parents to help equip them with the proper tools to um, support their children when they're navigating a bad mental health day or they're experiencing anxiety or depression. As a caregiver, what can you do to support a child that's experiencing mental health? So it was really important for us that we want to support directly children, uh, but I've got additional layer of supporting caregivers for when um, they're outside those therapy sessions or had a hard day at school. So that's our free to grow program. And like I mentioned, it really does cover the entire well-being of children from uh, the breadth of the program. And then the last two is our scholarships program, which is funding children to access education. And then our adopt a family program, which is providing a holiday experience for families in our community that can't necessarily. And that program is truly magical when we get the thank yous from families about being able to see their children open their gifts on Christmas morning that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. There's just, there's not a better feeling. So those four programs together to us really um, support all the different stages that you need to be successful and resilient and break that cycle of poverty. You need basic necessities of food. You need access to opportunity. You need mental health support. You need education, all of these things. So in a, in a nutshell, I could go on forever. That's what the Children's Foundation does in our community. Well, I mean, that that's so, so amazing. I mean, I follow you guys and follow all the initiatives that you guys do. So it's absolutely incredible. The different stuff, like I saw first off the, the donation drive you did around Christmas time, you did the tree drive, which was incredible. Like I couldn't even believe that you guys had, what was it, somewhere around like 4,000 trees that were donated. Like, I don't even know how you guys did that oh, in, in a day. It was a record-breaking um sales year for Christmas trees like all across Ontario so it was amazing so we had hundreds of volunteers that went out grabbed trees and that's also a really great program because we chip the trees back into the environment so not only are you helping children you're also helping the environment like there's no it's a win-win with that so uh, we've had a very uh, busy year um some of it is a sad reason as to why we're so busy because it's certainly our needs have increased because of the impact of the pandemic. But we've also seen 
uh, so many positive things like donors stepping up right when all of this happened my phone was ringing off the hook of supporters being like, what can we do to support the foundation and support the community right now? And I'm still just blown away by how incredible our community is. A time where we really need community most, right? So yeah, we've been very, very fortunate. Yeah, I think I think that's the hugest thing. Like even with everything going on and all the things that you could possibly potentially turn into a negative have been turned into positives, which is amazing in the work that you guys are doing. And it's amazing to see how the person next to you is saying, hey, you know, I'm willing to come and donate my time or donate some money or donate whatever to kind of help out the causes that are going on around the city or around different communities, right? So it's amazing kind of what certain circumstances will do to people to help them kind of come together as well. I think that like when I'm thinking about you guys, you you kind of hinted on it in terms of maybe some difficulties that people are facing over COVID, but in particular, maybe let's um, focus on the children and see, you know, what we, we focus so much on kind of what adults are going through and what adults kind of face on a daily basis throughout this time. But maybe you can give us a bit of a insight into what children are going through at this particular time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it is, I'll say first, like, that's a very interesting point that you talk about, because I think there is a lot of um, conversations happening around the need of adults and also seniors, and there is a need there um, 100%. And I know, to me, we all can be supporting all areas of the community, right? We don't necessarily need to choose one, one age demographic, but I've noticed that's been um, a common trend. And there's been some really big conversations this year. We've seen a lot of conversations around anti-racism and oppression and things like that. And one of the things that gave me hope is from conversations with various people in different professions is people say our biggest opportunity to create changes with children. And it sounds so like it's kind of cheesy. We're like children are the future, right? Like we, and <laughs> it's true. Um, but it, like our greatest hope to create this community that doesn't have children that are food insecure or are more resilient when undergoing um, mental mental health or racism, all these topics. I think we do need to start with children and youth because that is. I mean, we can start having these conversations with children. Who knows what the the next 20 years in our community could look like. And as I've already alluded to, sadly, the need has grown. The stat that I was originally seeing around one in five children being insecure, we're expecting that to double by the end of this year, Mm -hmm. Um, which puts extreme strain on food banks, nonprofit organizations that are providing this food support. But most importantly, like that, that's children that are waking up that don't, it's as simple as that they don't have breakfast or that they don't have lunch. And the thought of a child in this community being, being hungry and not having food for a day is really what drives me because it, it just breaks my heart to imagine. And we meet these children. I get to see these children and engage with them. So the thought that that's going to double is very concerning. The mental health statistics are it's not even like we're seeing it go up 30%. We're seeing it go up like a hundred percent. Like it's uh, the data around mental health for children and youth is so hard to track right now because it is changing and growing at an extraordinary rate. Even for our uh, adoptive family program, 
that provides the, the holiday experience and the gifts. This year, we saw the highest amount of families apply to be a recipient of that program. And a lot of them actually said to us, we've never had to utilize your programs before, but because I've been laid off because of COVID or whatever has happened um, because of the pandemic, it's increased their, their need. We've seen a higher demand on all of our resources, which we haven't, I don't even think we've seen the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the effects that this is going to have. That's the data that we have right now. And on the the flip side of that, and and one of the, again, COVID goods that, that has come out of this is we're seeing a lot more collaboration within the nonprofit space because we know individual organizations cannot address one of these problems by themselves. Like the Children's Foundation alone can't solve food insecurity or building resiliency in all children in our communities. But we've seen, so we've partnered with The Seed and Hope House, two incredible local organizations um, to help with our food program. We partner with Five Star Relationships and CMHA for our mental health program. So as much as it's very concerning what we're seeing, we're also seeing this really beautiful collaboration happen in the nonprofit space where that didn't happen before. Nonprofits used to be very siloed and now we just kind of have our arms open and so willing to work with each other and find creative ways, which is going to help us as these needs continue to increase we're like, you know what? We have an entire network of nonprofits. We got your back. We're here to support you. So that's uh, that's where it's looking like right now. Yeah, I mean, holy geez, that's a lot to unpack, right? And and it's amazing though that different organizations are now basically kind of coming across borders and saying, hey, like we all need to band together here to get some common goals accomplished because otherwise, you know, things are just going to continue to put us into a tailspin where maybe we don't know exactly where we're supposed to go or how we're supposed to approach these things. So I'm always an advocate 100% for collaboration, whether, whether it's amongst organizations or amongst people, that's a fantastic thing to definitely get more accomplished that way. What I'd like to maybe focus on is I know you guys have some cool events coming up and you just finished an amazing event and maybe you could shed some light on those things because, you know, it's it's great to talk about the things that are relevant and what's happening, you know, what's realistically happening to people during this COVID time, but it's also good to focus on the positive things in terms of how we're going to go forward and how we're going to try to address these things. So I know you guys have some cool programs that maybe you can shed some light on. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. And I love that your lens, um, just having the conversation about this prior that you want to bring some positivity and some good energy um, out right now, I think is so, it's so important is what are what we all need. And we've seen if you look at even it's as simple as like the children's foundation marketing in the past year, we were extremely intentional about like being that beacon of hope almost through our communication that like come to this safe event be a part of something bigger let's create change like come join hands with us and very bright like we did a campaign over Christmas and we called it the shine bright campaign right and it was all the the images of our um, marketing was like sunshines and Christmas lights and things like that because I do feel that not even just our donors and supporters the community right now like we need that positivity because there's so many things that we know um just aren't right now so we've been very strategic when we're marketing in our events and we just wrapped up our live free uh, campaign that's all around helping children live free from hunger 
We had a very ambitious goal of raising enough money uh, for 30,000 meals in 30 days. And we worked with an incredible sponsor, Keyspire. They were phenomenal to work with. And we, um, I'm happy to share with you that we've actually exceeded goal, which is very exciting. I know I am thrilled. And it's very similar to what I was saying before. People like just rose to the occasion. They're like, no way, our children in our community going hungry. We're hitting this 30,000 meals in 30 days. Let's go. And that's been a, a really great piece because we've been able to do some fun videos and some fun interviews with people in our community about what they have going on. We just launched our Mustang drive-in, which I was saying to GP is a staple. If you're in the Guelph community or surrounding, you know what the Mustang drive-in is. Um, but to celebrate our 30th birthday, we're inviting um, our community to come join us to watch a movie safely in their cars, but together that we can um, just celebrate all the wonderful work that's happened over these 30 years. So I'm excited. I haven't been to a drive-in. I don't know. Like maybe, I don't think I've been to a drive-in like 10 years. So I'm going to be like, my car is just going to be filled with popcorn and I am so excited for it to happen, but um, it's open to everyone. I hope you'll be there now that Maybe I can get you to commit. You're shaking your head. So if anyone's listening, he's committed to be there right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I could say is I, just like you, have really fond memories of the Mustang. And I absolutely love going. Like, I, I go every year. Like, I as much as I can, I'm at the Mustang Drive-In Theater because it's such a cool experience to go to you get to relax in your car you know I I personally have a pickup truck so I get I put a mattress in the back and I relax on the you know the back of the tailgate and totally make oh it gosh. totally make it you my own it which right. is amazing yeah that's how you have to do it <laughs> you figured it out. You figured it out. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you know, if if everything works out and and uh, I would love to be there and, and support you guys and uh, obviously gives me, a, you know, a reason to go to the Mustang as well, which is always good childhood memories, which is exactly what we're trying to accomplish too, mm -hmm. right? So that's amazing. Exactly. I think what I'd like to do is maybe flip the switch a little bit and talk about you personally. You were with United Way beforehand and you spent quite a, you know, a good deal of time there and then you moved over to the Children's Foundation as their CEO. So I'm curious what made you want to kind of jump into the Children's Foundation from United Way? What was the kind of deciding factor in that? Yeah, so actually, interesting enough, um, in between United Way and the Children's Foundation, I went to the, the corporate world for a bit. So I was at IG Wealth Management, um, and I'll start back at, at United Way. So I applied for this role that was my like dream job. I was like, oh my goodness, working for a nonprofit, working for United Way. I remember it said on the application, you need seven years of fundraising experience. I did not have seven minutes. I was like, oh my goodness, but you know what? I'm going to apply. I'm so passionate about it. And in the interview, I told them, I'm like, I don't have a problem with having conversations um, about fundraising, about money, because when you're asking for people in need, those conversations are so much easier. I'm open to learning, um, fundraising strategies, all of these things. And luckily they, uh, they took a chance on me. I was there for over five years and I'm very grateful for that experience because United Way serves many organizations in the community 
which allowed me to have exposure to the nonprofit sector. Um, exactly what we're talking about. Like, is it the need of seniors? Is it the need of adults? Is it the need of children? And then you even go down another layer of that. Is it mental health? Is it food security? Is it homelessness? There's so many elements and areas that you can serve. And United Way gave me that exposure to the areas you can serve, the needs in the community, and gave me the opportunity to start networking again in a community. You know, I grew up in Rockwood and well, I went, I had to get busted into high school here. So this very much is my, my old stomping grounds, but coming here as a professional is a little bit different. There's a lot more people to meet. And even though Guelph is just the best, I think it's like a small town within a big city. I feel like. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which was great because then I did, I had a lot of friends and a lot of people that I could network with, but there was certainly, um, more for me to get done that I needed to learn more about our community and the people in it. And I had a great experience there and I, and I outgrew the role and I knew that at the end, my end like career goal was I wanted to be in the leader leadership position within the nonprofit sector, but I just didn't know when or how that was going to happen. And then I got a call from one of my mentors that I have looked up to since like the moment I got into the professional realm, but I just really didn't give her an opportunity to like not be my mentor. I just would like constantly like ask her to go for coffee every six months and things like that. So within a few years, I think she realized that I bamboozled her into becoming my mentor. Um, and we just had this really great relationship and she called me and she's like, I have an opportunity that I think you would be amazing at. And this is at IG Wealth Management. And this was very different from anything that I've done before. I was on like a plane every week in hotels, managing some of their national marketing. It was a completely different world, um, managing like a very large few million dollar um, budget, just things that I hadn't done before. And I'm so grateful even for that experience because it grew my capacity in leading a larger team, managing a bigger budget, and also seeing what happens at that national level and creating marketing plans and attracting for them would be clients. For me, I just, donors is in, embedded in my head. Um, but so I had this opportunity to be in this corporate job that I think all of us growing up were kind of taught, like, that's where you need to be, right? Like, you're living the dream if you're going on planes and living in hotels and, and all these things. And I got to a point where I was meeting with one of my, my business coach, which is Andrea, actually. And we started talking about like fulfillment and what really like ignites you as a person. And a few things started to happen. I started recognizing in this role at IG, like where are the conversations that I come to life and like my skill sets, like, you know, that feeling when you like walk out of a meeting and you can do anything and you're just like on cloud nine. And I realized that it was whenever I was in meetings that we were talking about our partnerships with not-for-profit organizations. So they have a really great partnership with like the Alzheimer's society and we help plan some of their walks. I started paying attention. I'm like, where am I having that feeling? And it was consistent. It was whenever we were having these conversations um, about giving back to the community. And then I had a little bit of a light bulb moment in one of these sessions 
around like, what is my purpose? And it doesn't, I always attributed purpose to like being a CEO or being a director, like to me, purpose equated to a job position. And then through like a lot of digging, digging deep, I realized I'm like, my purpose is to serve. And if I am serving, it doesn't matter what capacity, what, what level of an organization I'm at, like that is what fills my cup is serving and helping others. And at the same time that I was having this epiphany and I'd been at IG for about a year and a half, this role came up at the Children's Foundation. And I always said since day one at United Way, like if I could be the CEO, uh, there's, I always said there's two nonprofits and one of them was the Children's Foundation. I'm like, but never like the, the previous ED, like usually people retire in that role, right? right. And right. I was 28. I will say uh, when this world came up and I was like, there's no way, there's no way. But my mentor said, like, you need to apply for this. This is one in a lifetime opportunity. If you said for over a decade, this is the one career opportunity you want. You got to do it. And then um, they had a very extensive hiring process. There was a lot of interviews, a lot of bigger interviews. And I got the role, which, oh my goodness, I was... I had to like put up the lady on mute because I was just like screaming and dancing around. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, but when I look back, like everything always happens for a reason, right? If I didn't have United Way, if I didn't go over to that corporate world, then I wouldn't be at the foundation where I'm just so happy and so fulfilled every day, even through a pandemic. It sounds weird to say, I'm like, I love it. I'm so happy. I don't want to be anywhere else, which... People probably look at you like I have three heads, but um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the journey that, that brought me here. Yeah, that's amazing. You could definitely tell your your energy that you have towards it is is just kind of radiating off you. Like as I'm listening to you, it's incredible to see. And it's such a difficult thing for people to find that thing that they're really passionate about. And I'm over the moon happy that you have been able to find that in this in this organization and in this charity and yeah like that's that's exactly it you know we've had time i mean i know this was before covid but even during covid we've had time to kind of refocus our ideas mm -hmm. and think about what truly makes us happy and as a as a community leader it's amazing to see how much passion you have towards what you do because that translates down to everything that ends up happening you know, in your life and who you end up coming in contact with and how those relationships can be affected down the line. So I don't know if you're aware, I'm sure you are aware, but you are a very prominent, you know, kind of person in the community. And I don't know how much you realize how, how many people kind of look up to you. And so I'm curious whether or not you have that recognition and what kind of that means to you that people look at you in such a positive light and, and really enjoy being around you and listening to you talk? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm very flattered. And I would say, I don't know if I, if I like viewed myself in that way and what I, what I tried to do and what I encourage everyone. And it seems like you took the opportunity to do the same as well was to 
like get a business coach, go to therapy, like do these things so that you can start living like authentically to who you are. And that was not a conversation. I don't know about you, but that was not a conversation that I ever had with like my peers growing up or something like that. Like, let's get into therapy and figure out who we are and how we can be better. And part of that is owning. I'm like, I need to be genuinely who I am and own that. And if people want to come along for the ride and work with me and be a part of this, then like, I'm just, I'm so thrilled because I think the more that we can, I don't know, just come together and be um, a positive force for all of our communities. Like I just, I'm, yeah, I'm so, I don't know how much people look up to me, but I'm, I'm happy to have people part of my circle. And I feel very honored that even if it's just one person thinks that and can learn even a little tidbit from me, then um, I think that's incredible. Yeah, you're super humble in kind of how you go about things, which I think is what really draws people towards you. And you're doing such amazing work, not only in past work that you've done with United Way and with your corporate world and, you know, kind of how you translate all of that towards a children's foundation, but uh, just in general, you know, you're a great person to be around. So it's it's really uh, humbling and, and you give people a sense of kind of comfortability, right? So maybe as a community leader, what would you say to somebody who's maybe looking to get into leadership? What types of things might they want to work on or what advice would you give to somebody? Mm-hmm. There's a few things I would say. One is like intention is everything. Um, whether that's like daily or yearly, like if you want to, maybe you call them goals or intentions. But like I said, I knew one day I wanted to be in a leadership position within a nonprofit. I didn't know the how, but I know, I knew that was how I was going to get there. So a lot of it is trusting yourself and trusting the process. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, right? You're going to have some tough conversations. You might not get that job. You might not get that sale, whatever it is, but you just kind of like have your moment, feel your feelings and then move on because it's part of something bigger. And when you believe that it's so easier to get through those peaks and valleys when you know that there's something bigger for your life, read, read. (laughs) I, 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 every, every day, even if it's just 10 minutes, I pick up a leadership book. Oftentimes I'll ask people for recommendations, but it's important to always have a thirst for learning. Um, Find time for yourself. I try to meditate five minutes a day. Make sure you're also just taking care of the simple things like being healthy and taking care of your body and find mentors, like surround yourself with the right people, whether that's your friends or people that you aspire to be in that leadership role. And ask that person for a coffee. If I didn't ask Marissa Teeter, who's one of my uh, mentors, or Linda Murray, Robin Lee Norris, these people that I was so intimidated by because they're just powerhouse women. I was like, heck, you know what? I'm going to email them and ask them to go for a coffee. And they said yes. And then it started this really wonderful relationship. And I would just come prep to those meetings with like a scroll of questions. Like, how did you get here? What advice do you have exactly those questions that you asked me? And I would be prepared and I would be early for those meetings. And that's really what set me up for success was being around people. And then the last piece is, is around like the therapy and the business coaching. You, we need to get to know ourselves. There's a lot of narratives that are in our 
mind or perceptions of ourselves. Even when you're like, people look up to you. I instantly get a little bit squirmy. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, because it is the perception that you have of yourself. So therapy is not a bad thing. You don't necessarily need to go there to work through. Maybe you don't have issues, but like it's getting to know yourself a little bit more and how you navigate and how you want to approach your, your life in this world. So those are kind of my, my big pieces that I've been doing. I know there's a lot of them, but you need to make those into a daily practice. I feel if you want to achieve a, a, a leadership role in whatever that is, if you're an entrepreneur or manager in an organization, I think it's just a, a great way to live, live life truthfully. My mom always used to tell me something in terms of just putting yourself out there and she always used to say to me, you know, if you're going to reach out to somebody or you're going to want to ask somebody a question, whatever the case is, what's the worst they could possibly say to you? The worst case they could say no, and you're in the, you're in the exact same position that you're in. So you might as well take the chance, put yourself out there and see what happens, right? And most of the time, that person is willing to give some time up to you. People are, are gen, you know, generous most of the time to yeah. what, you know, to others. So Put yourself out there see what happens and obviously yeah. that turned out well for you so you have the best yeah. mom ever we also need to give a <laughs> shout out to your mama because she's incredible and just so lovely which is why all of you your brothers so your brother and your sister are so lovely as well but i think that's a great point and even not internalizing a no is a big piece like i remember in sales meetings people would say no to me and i would be like i would take it as like they said no to me like me my soul at rogers and i'm like no it's not this might just not be a fit for them. Like my organization might not be a fit for them, or maybe they're so busy in their personal life that right now they can't, they just can't open up the capacity to mentor me right now, things like that. I think you need to start not personalizing the nose as much is a really big piece to help growing your confidence too. For sure. That's great. That's a amazing piece of advice for anybody listening to put yourself out there, you know, work on yourself, go to therapy, figure out those things that you really want to accomplish in life and go after them. Emma, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. And what mm-hmm. I'll let you do is just kind of give a last little blurb about the, the foundation and where they can find you and some of the events you have going on so they can obviously attend and support you guys. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you again for giving me this opportunity. I welcome any time to chat with you and spend time with you. But if, you, if you're if you curious about learning more about the foundation or getting involved, I know I mentioned our 30th birthday party um, happening April 15th. Go to childrensfoundation.org and you can learn about our programs or upcoming events. Also, um, any of my teams and even my email address as well. So I encourage people to reach out. Let's have a conversation. But childrensfoundation.org is a, a great place to start. Great. Thank you so much, Emma. I really appreciate it. Thank you. See, wasn't that so fun? Emma's just the best and, and I really appreciate her coming on and talking to us today from the Children's Foundation of Guelph Wellington. Again, if you guys are looking for resources or you're looking for uh, the different drives or different uh, programs that they're running, I will have all the information in the show notes for for this particular episode. And uh, again, really had a great time talking to Emma today, and I hope you guys will join us for the episode next week.